This podcast is brought to you by Imix Group and NetApp and produced by GovExec's Studio 2G. Imix Group, the public sector arm of Aero Electronics, is a leading value-added IT distributor that uses unmatched insight and technical knowledge to deliver mission-driven results to the government. To learn more about how Imix Group can help your agency develop innovative technology solutions, visit imixgroup.com. Cloud has become a mainstay in government. Across the federal landscape, cloud infrastructure is used to increase operational effectiveness, streamline workflows, and bolster data storage. But to do so successfully, agencies must plan implementation around legacy systems. And that's no easy task. That's not the only challenge. With so many cloud frameworks to choose from, how do agencies even know what's right for them, for their mission? And how can agencies ensure they take full advantage of the technology? I'm your host, Camille Tootie. And here to talk about all that is Ryan Nelson. He's the Market Intelligence and Analytics Manager at Imix Group, which helps technology companies do business with the government. Ryan has over 10 years of experience in government as a member of the military and leading Imix Group's research into acquisition opportunities. We'll dive into the pros and cons of the different cloud systems, how federal agencies can determine what infrastructure is right for them, and how industry partners can help them leverage cloud to optimize mission success. Thank you, Ryan, for being here today. Thanks. It's great to be here. Let's start with an overview. Can you give some insight into how agencies currently are implementing cloud? When you look at how agencies are implementing cloud, it can vary widely across the government, both based on maturity of how long they've been doing it, how much funding they have to implement, et cetera. And for the agencies that are further along in the process, what they're really looking at is what cloud structures they need to support their mission. When we think back to when cloud initially became very popular in the government, going back to about 2010-ish, the promise was huge cost savings. The government was going to be able to save a lot of money closing down large data centers and moving to different clouds. Now, there has been some cost savings, but maybe not as much as we really expected and what we really wanted. And then as we've moved through the years up to where we are now, what agencies are really seeing is that even if the fixed cost of standing up and running a cloud architecture doesn't necessarily present cost saving over having a data center. What they do find is a lot of operational efficiencies and improvements on the way they do business. So each one of them is kind of really focused on what do they need to be more efficient in their core functions. If you look at recently in the last year or so, the NSA had a large purchase of HPE's GreenLake on-premises cloud server. That's a really great on-premises, consumption-based pricing model, cloud server that also supports NSA's need to be hyper-secure, right? Mm-hmm. NGA, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, has a huge, huge library of unclassified imagery that they share with shipping, forest fires, hurricanes, airlines, looking for icebergs. That can be stored more publicly. NGA was one of the first big agencies to make use of AWS for this unclassified imagery that didn't have a need to be hypersecure. When we look across health and human services and the U.S. Space Force, they both interestingly have this problem set where they're doing a lot of 
high-tech computation at remote sites. For HHS and the National Institutes of Health, that's doing sophisticated scientific analytics at the different institutes, trying to do that in an edge compute environment where they're then sending the feedback back to NIH for better tracking. Whereas with the Space Force, they're really looking at how can we do that edge computing in space so that we can transmit the resulting data rather than deal with the lag and transmission costs of trying to go back and forth. So those are all different types of cloud environments, but they're all relevant and tailored to what the individual organizations need. So what are some of those key hurdles that agencies face, especially when it comes to legacy systems? Well, I think what it comes down to is what are the priorities of your organization and what is your maturity and ability to implement? One thing that's very interesting is we look at cloud spending over the next couple of years between the DOD and the civilian agencies. We see a huge amount of engineering spending on the DOD side, but that's because the DOD has been involved in the cloud acquisition and usage and incorporating it into operations much longer than the civilian agencies. So they can start to be a little bit more significant. Civilian agencies are spending more on that cloud capacity because they're still growing that capacity and looking to move their legacy applications onto that cloud. Specifically, when we talk about the challenges of moving onto legacy systems, for example, the IRS budget-wise is not a huge organization, but every single American interacts with them. Business owners, individuals, we all file our taxes, we all pay our taxes. And so the IRS has a huge amount of business processes baked into that that are on legacy systems that are going to need to be transitioned into a more modern architecture. And so I think for an agency that's looking at how do I move off of my legacy system into a modern cloud environment, there's a couple key things that are really non-negotiable. You got to maintain your functionality and your process flow and the feel of your tools while you're transitioning. And that comes down to user experience. You have a lot of different personas and a lot of different demands inside your organizations on how to do business. And for those people, they don't really care whether or not you're running on AWS, Azure, whether it's a public, private, on-prem, whether you're working with a hyperscaler, doesn't matter. That user needs to be able to continue to do their work in a way that is stable, easily maintained, and has the general feel of those processes that they've been working on. So you can maintain that continuity. But that's just on the initial implementation side. Really, when it comes into planning, agencies need to think about, what do I want to get out of this? What are the metrics that really are going to matter? There's a lot of competing priorities. There's never enough funding. So I want to know, am I looking at, I want to improve processing time for applications. I want to improve the way I collate, aggregate data and make it available for decision-making. What are those actual goals that you're looking for? And then build towards those objectives because the dollar cost of implementation might not necessarily seem worth it, but when the return comes in operational efficiency over five years, that's what agencies really should be looking at when they're moving from their current legacy systems into a multi-cloud environment. So when these agencies start looking at what's the right cloud environment for us, is there anything that they should be doing less of that they should be doing more of? Because you gave a great overview of what is this going to be used for, actually? When you're looking at how to build it, 
you should be optimizing for costs and efficiencies. You don't want to invest heavily in a program and then be hit with a lot of additional costs and fees for add-on services that you didn't expect. And there's an opportunity to work with MSPs and FSIs and really kind of partner with industry on that. But you need to optimize over the long term. Another thing to consider is that whichever model you go with, whether you're going to use, and really everyone is using a variation of a hybrid cloud environment. Mm. Almost every agency is looking at having some on-prem, having some private cloud and having some public cloud. But when you go to that, you need to be aware that your workforce is going to look very different. You may need to reskill your workforce. You may need to upskill them. And that's been a hot topic over the past few years, especially. What are you seeing in terms of key trends when it comes to skills in the cloud space? The challenge that the government is having and will continue to have is the competition with the private sector for those skill sets. Certifications for Amazon, for AWS, Microsoft Azure Cloud Services, Oracle Cloud Service, those skill sets are becoming increasingly in demand. Where I think that that's particularly relevant when looking at the government workforce is that a lot of the processes that happen in legacy systems are somewhat more manual. And even the process of deploying cloud environments used to be fairly manual and required a lot more human touch. But as we're getting better with cloud, as we're getting more sophisticated, more mature, both from a private sector and a public sector standpoint, we're able to automate many more of those functions. So we can really rapidly deploy a cloud environment. We can rapidly deploy a platform as a service much faster than we would have been a couple of years ago. Containerization of programs is a huge deal, and we're able to do that very rapidly with fewer human hands involved in it. So as we're talking about skills of the private sector, headcount is always hard to come by, and you want to be very, very efficient with it. Why that matters a lot for the government, though, is that the more you can automate of the background information, these more manual processes that we can turn into automated processes that allows you to focus your workforce on the higher end functions, on the really important work that really, really matters. The strategic stuff that is more challenging, requires more deliberate thinking that you can't necessarily turn a computer onto at least in 2022. So, well, it's challenging because the technical skill sets you need are more technical and a little bit more focused, it presents an opportunity because it frees up your back office workforce to do the high impact, high payoff work. You mentioned how industry partners really can help, but what are some of the other things that industry can help with when it comes to helping an agency figure out the path forward with cloud? First and foremost, collaborate early and often. You can be an advisor to an agency as they're trying to determine what this path forward is. The cloud environments are changing so rapidly. And as I mentioned, there's different awareness of capabilities and maturities within different agencies. And particularly AWS Marketplace is a great example of a online marketplace. Agencies can very quickly 
go find exactly what they need, quickly select it, quickly incorporate it into their cloud architecture. That is a very, very different model than the acquisition workforce would have used a couple of years ago. And the acquisition workforce may not be aware of what the latest and greatest is in the cloud environment. When I was in the army, becoming a acquisition officer functional area was something you did later in your career. You didn't grow up in it. You may be coming from an infantry or aviation background. So be an advisor to what's out there, problem solve, collaborate, answer questions, make available what your offerings are and help tailor it towards what the overall goals are. And it's that speed of innovation. Right now we're at sort of a changing point with the consumption-based pricing that we're starting to talk about for the government. You know, we've got the executive order 14028 that talks about requirements for zero trust architecture. All of those are going to have really significant impacts on what the government is required to buy for cloud and how the government buys that for cloud. It's still a lot of learning for everybody. So have open and honest conversations. The government needs systems that needs partners that can work together with other systems, can collaborate, can understand that looking just across DISA, for example, that landscape is so large, no one needs to win it all. There is enough of that pie for lots of channel partners, lots of OEMs to secure significant market share in there. Understanding the complexities of those environments and being collaborative is really important. As an industry partner, How do you stay on top of the trends? We mentioned that hybrid cloud really seems to be the way to go. So how do you stay on top of what's emerging and what could be most beneficial to your government customers? Yeah, it's always a challenge because it's the pace of innovation combined with the size and complexity of the government. DISA is doing some amazing and interesting work experimenting with different containerizations cloud-native applications, APIs, et cetera. At the same time, you have all of the OEMs that are also experimenting with similar technologies. Some of them interact well together, some of them don't. So looking for those bright spots where it's the perfect fusion of the government need and willingness to invest, as well as new technology that integrates in with what's already out there, those are difficult to find. How I do it and how Imix Group achieves this is we spend a lot of time out there, obviously with our industry partners, right? As a distributor, we're always working with the amazing OEMs and suppliers, our reseller partners that are constantly in contact with the government. We're visible at events. You know, we're very, very much tied in with AFCIA, the Potomac Officers Club. I was on a panel at Logarithms Conference last week. So it's a matter of staying really, really deeply engaged with everything that's happening inside the marketplace so that when that perfect union presents itself, we can be there to bring our partners to it. Thanks so much, Ryan, for being here today. That's all the time we have today. I really want to thank you for laying out some best practices and some considerations for agencies as they embark on their cloud journey. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And thanks to our listeners of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Imix Group and NetApp. For more information about how Imix Group can help your agency successfully adopt digital transformation, visit imixgroup.com. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the State of Federal Cloud podcast series, brought to you by Imix Group and NetApp. To learn more about how Imix Group can help your agency develop innovative technology solutions, visit imixgroup.com.